1: episode, I think we're about episode five of Tell Me Your Tales, eh? Time flies when you're having fun. And because we're starting to get serious, I've actually created some notes for this week's guest. So this week's guest is uh, Jason Russell. It was good to sit down and have a chat with him during the week. Jason is the current CEO of the Compassby Shire, which in itself is a pretty massive job. If you're unfamiliar, the Kampaspe Shire includes the towns of Echuca, Kyabram, Stanhope, Rochester, Rushworth and Tongala. So with all those towns, it covers a population of about 37,000 people. Um, I was stoked to get an hour of Jason's time as he's a super busy guy and you'll find out more about what his week and days look like in the podcast interview i reached out to him on twitter i did know him a bit before as i had not directly taught but worked at the school that his daughters used to go to um so he was really good to get back to me on twitter and we penciled in a date and he came around for a cup of tea and we put the recording stuff out and had a bit of a chat um i really in this interview wanted to go deep with jason and find out more about him and not so much the compass be shy stuff Jason is the kind of guy that when you Google him, you get a lot of one-liners and quotes from newspaper articles, and there's a lot of those around, but not a lot about him as a person. We discussed his upbringing as a kid, where he grew up, and his journey to where he is now as the CEO. Um, We also got onto the topic about what's happening in the Kampaspe Shire and some exciting developments that are coming up. You may be able to tell by the tone in my voice that when we get to a stage where we talk about what the capacity shire is doing about a healthy community, I was quite intrigued and interested in the statistics around obesity and um, just domestic violence and health and all those kind of drug use. It was kind of interesting to hear his opinions and the policies and budgeting around those kind of issues, which is super important. But overall, I must say a huge thank you to Jason. As I said, he's a super busy guy. So to get an hour of his time was, uh, was really important and more than happy to, he was more than happy to share anything I asked him about during the chat and really his willingness to support this podcast in its early stages says a lot about his character and, you know, supporting people trying new things. If you like what you hear, please feel free to tell somebody else. I've been stoked with the numbers so far, but it'd be always good to spread the word. Um, if you've got any other suggested guests that you want me to approach for an interview, be sure to let me know. And yeah, that's about it. Enjoy this chat with the CEO of the Compassbyshire, Shire, Jason Russell. Let's go. Welcome to my house, Jason Russell.
0: Thank
1: you. I always get the guests to introduce themselves because I find that they, it's interesting to see the way they introduce themselves. So do you want to maybe do a bit of an introduction of who you are and what you do?
0: Yep. So um, Jason Russell, CEO of the Camp Hasby Shire, been there for probably just under two years, Um, grew up, probably been in Moama for about 11, um, and grew up north of, uh, in a little town called Invergordon. Yeah, right. And after that sort of went to uni for um, in Melbourne and lived there until we moved back up here.
1: Yeah. What did you study at uni?
0: Uh, economics and Commerce. Yeah. At La Trobe. Bundura. Yeah. Yep. I
1: did read that in your profile somewhere online. Um, so how big was this town just out of Shep? Uh, we had a, a school, a footy ground, tennis courts. I think there was
0: a church hall. Yeah. Um, and an old shed, which was a shop, it was a packing shed for fruit. Yeah. And I think now, and there was about a hundred kids at the time at the school, at the primary school. Um, and I only heard the last week that they're down to about six. Mm. Big changes out there. Yeah, and right. The whole fruit industry's changed, etc. So it's, yeah. Yeah. So it's that's changed a lot. So between there and Katanga West, I grew up. Yeah. Probably there until grade two or something, and then to, in.
1: And were you guys on a farm?
0: No, I did work for. Well, real water commission yeah. and state Horizon Water, which is now my own Water. Yeah. So he just retired after forty six years, I think it was. Forty six so years, I like so lived it. and breathed Water. Yeah. All my life.
1: And he would have been a pretty hard worker too, wouldn't he? That would have, um, in your upbringing, remember him doing some big days and working pretty hard.
0: Um. Yeah, but I won't say that publicly. Yeah. He <laughs> oh, no, just can't make him yeah. get a big head.
1: <laughs> is he up to date with podcasts? He <laughs> might be. Uh,
0: he might I be right there. I think I'd be pretty right.
1: That's good. That's good. Brothers and sisters, or just you?
0: No, I'm the eldest out of four, so I've got two sisters and a younger brother. So two of them are in Shepparton and younger brothers in Canberra.
1: Yep. So straight from there, school all the way through Shepp and then to Melbourne for uni?
0: Yeah, so I went to Shepp High and then from there I went to to uni at Bundura and um, after that pretty much worked in Collins Street in funds management for about 13 years.
1: Yep. What was the city life like? I loved it. Yeah, coming from a small town, you were... Yeah, starting. so
0: after going through uni and, like, living in uni and all that with all the... Pretty much all country kids. Yeah. So, yeah, we had probably too good of a time. Um, <laughs> but, mate, so pretty much all my friends, long-term friends now, are all the ones went to uni with and we all still keep in touch um, from that side of things. So that made the transition working in the city and stuff pretty easy because a lot of them are all still... Yeah, they're still there or etc. So so... Yeah, no, I liked... Yeah, right. That
1: lifestyle, but and then the move back traffic to, now. Yeah, oh, it does your head in. Even going to Bendigo does my head in now. Like it's just, I've been up here for maybe seven years now, and I go back and it's just too busy. And I don't know if it's because I'm used to a small town now, but um, yeah, I don't know. Just wasting time in traffic just does
0: my head in as like, well. Bendigo doesn't stress me too much, but yeah. Yeah. I
1: whole of the ones that stress me, it just yeah, annoys me more than anything. Yeah. Um, so then the move back up this area after Melbourne.
0: Yeah, so like I worked in the funds management industry um, worked for ANZ, Funds Management, um, for about seven, eight years and then we were approached pretty much by Allianz, a big global insurer, yeah. wanted to set up a funds management industry which is all managing Australian equities for big super funds, etc. Um, they wanted to set up Australian business, so yeah, the team I was working with was about 14 of us we were pretty much the leading um, performers in this country at the time. So there was a lot of uh, discussions behind closed doors in the Sheraton and all as the, the all the German head ponchos um, head come across. Um, so then I went across to them with the team and we worked there for probably four or five years. But I alternated back and forth from Sydney, alternate weeks, and we had the Melbourne office and the Sydney office and I was in the Melbourne office. Um, and, with, and then I used to fly overseas a lot too, because Alliance is a global company, so it would be Hong Kong, San Francisco, oh and we're two young, children who okay. were baby you know, yep. pretty much babies, it was pretty tough. Yeah, right. Um, and pretty much uh, when the 9-11 happened, I was due to fly into San Francisco that week. So that was stressful for the family. So um, I still went on that. It was probably the safest trip ever, but yeah. we sort of had a serious think about all that. Yeah, right. And after we so after about four years there, we decided that we'd probably head home. But we packed up in Melbourne, sold up, and went around Australia for you.
1: Yeah. and How old were the
0: girls then? Two and four.
1: Yeah.
0: Everyone thought we were insane.
1: Yeah. No, it's good though, isn't it? Well, there's some insane things you just mentioned there. For starters, about that um, the poaching thing. So was that just you walked out of the office one day and there were a couple of guys waiting to see you, or was that? Oh, not quite
0: like that. They were, they'd been um, had got in contact with us through a headhunter yep. consulting company and approached us to sort of see if we were interested. Um, and then there was a whole heap of meetings organised. After hours and things like that to sort of see if we would be organised, and they didn't want one, they wanted the whole team. Yep. So that was just the Australian equities team, and I was their um, marketing side of specialist at that side. Um, yeah, so that was a very weird experience.
1: Mm. How to go down with the boss when you just all walked in together and just like, wow. And so we yeah. were resigning.
0: Yeah. Because um, at that stage the it man was managing $15 billion in funds, and we'd just pulled the pin and they had no one to manage all there. Equities and that, so yeah, that was that was pretty weird. Um, but ANZ actually outsourced their funding to us to manage without <laughs> me for, for the next couple of years. So um, yeah, so that was a, that was interesting starting a whole new company on its own and all the ups and downs of that because it's never straight yep. sailing. And
1: what about those other three blokes? Keep in contact with them?
0: Yeah, no, so on and off we you know we're, I think at one stage it was yeah, it was about 14, but there was about 10 of us that actually went across. Um, at different stages, everyone went in different ways. So uh, there's a couple I keep in contact with, but yeah, my life has changed quite a yeah, lot since imagine. then.
1: <laughs> and then the old um, one week on, one week up in Sydney, how did that go, living in a different... Like, they'd hook you up with a unit and a, or an apartment and...
0: Yeah, so I was living out. Two
1: wardrobes, two suitcases?
0: Nah, up, Pack it up. Yeah. Yep. So it was out of a hotel in the yep. just near the office. Yeah. Um, and everyone thinks, you know, going to Melbourne and all flying overseas and flying into states. Extravagant, yeah. Yeah, after the first couple of times you do it, she's, yeah. yeah. And especially when you own it, can get a bit lonely sometimes mm. too. You know, there was only a couple of us doing it um, from that side of things. So look, I, I enjoyed it. We got to do a lot of good stuff. Mm. And,
1: what about, um, how that would impact your health though, just, you know, were there a lot of kind of fast food meals or just eating out at the, the restaurant downstairs and big meetings, oh, so lack of exercise. Food-wise,
0: were, were, that was no worries. We, yeah. There was a great Japanese restaurant nearby and fast food, we had Japanese, you know, so we had lunch and a lot of that. So I got to do a lot of things I would never do. It was probably the after hour stuff.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: It was all, like, the yeah, entertaining, entertaining yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And that was the days back in the corporate card and you'd be out with brokers and things like that to all hours and um it's something you had to you sort of had to do to a point but yeah it's probably not good for the liver mm. after, a, after a while after a bit
1: <laughs> very good okay so you're back up home so did you go back to near shamp or did you come to chukamoma then
0: yeah no so when we traveled in australia we <laughs> made a decision if we like somewhere anywhere around australia we would consider it yeah right um and
1: this is the stuff that movies are made of like families packing up and doing this yeah, stuff Yeah so
0: it was, it was just short of a year we did it in the camper trailer, There's the four of us in the camper trailer, we bought a new trailer in Prado um, and we, we really liked Rumula. we'd been across for holidays, we loved it there but getting across the mountains it was easier for us to go to Darwin for the family to see us than trying and drive across the mountains to see it's about a 7-8 hour trip um, so there's a few spots we liked but at the end of the day and I, I know it sounds corny but Chickamae, Ma. Right. We, we pretty much loved it here. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so when we got back here, pretty much Rowena Ash was, and we, we know Row pretty well, she was had an open house over at um, River Park Drive, we popped in to see her, and we ended up buying the oh, yeah. house. <laughs> <laughs> How good's that? Um, so, yeah, and Susan's family's, you know, wife's family's been here, you know, they've probably been here for about 120 years, and my family's in Shep, so it was close to the grandparents, and and family as well so it was important um, and especially with the kids we're getting to the stage where we're going to have to make decisions about school etc yep. um, so it was we'll play all played on their minds mm-hmm. at that stage
1: that's a good way to do it test a few little towns out around Australia and then I'll make a decision
0: well it's poured out the time and about 30 years yeah. so all we want to do is do it again
1: now. do it again yeah Wow, well, you know their families do that sometimes too don't they the year of exchange or overseas mm-hmm. or something like that as well so um your girls are starting to get to the business end of their schooling, um, which would be important for them. So then, bought the house in Moama, find a job, or were you um, had something teed up well, already?
0: Well, Sue's, she worked for Dairy Food Safety Victoria, and they didn't let her resign when, she, when we went to Australia. So she actually worked remotely while we travelled around Australia, but, and also when we got back here. So she was still, had a job, and she was back and forth to Melbourne a bit, um, and pretty much a week after I got back. Um, sister-in-law said there was a job going at the Central Murray Area Consulting Committee, which is a federally funded regional development group and they had a position, so I went in there and started pretty much the week after we got back Oh that, beautiful Sometimes things... Just...
1: Oh, yeah, I agree with you, <laughs> things just happen sometimes for a reason um, Okay, and then to Ganawara Shire in 2012
0: Yeah, so I was at, with the ACC or the, with the Federal Government um, Regional Development for about three years and that was seven shires in New South Wales and three in Victoria so was ten shires I covered working with them to, on regional development and getting funding etc. So when the federal government wound up that program um, Roseanne Carter, who who's the CEO of Gantelar at the time said can you come across and work for us so when, as soon as I wound this place up I started pretty much the week after beautiful
1: straight into the next one as
0: a manager of community services which was childcare and Age care, yeah. and as I said before, my background's in finance, so I didn't have, it other than two young daughters who had been through childcare, that was my background, yeah. but it actually worked really well.
1: You picked it up pretty well, like it's...
0: Same as anything, you've got to do your work yeah. and your research, and I got actively involved in it, um, and we ended up growing that department considerably, um, so after about 18 months, I would become a director of the whole area, and we put a whole heap of more areas in it, Grew, and we took on childcare and a whole range of other things, um, and literally about two years after that, Roseanne resigned and I got the CEO job. Yeah.
1: So did you start acting for a while? Did you have like three yeah, months of acting and yeah, then six? Yeah, six, six months. months. Yeah.
0: Which was good because I never had any intention of doing that. I actually moved back up here to have a bit more, of a, yeah. break.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a bit more of a easier life, and now I find myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Um, I guess. so then someone had to put their hand up and you kind of thought about it and had to, had to go thinking you'd just be acting and see what happens? Or
0: Yeah, it's probably like a lot of people. Like sometimes you, you underestimate your own abilities. Mm. You know, Some people out there are, are very confident of their abilities and there's others that sit back and are probably a bit the same as sometimes you don't think you're capable of doing something. Mm-hmm. But it was actually good having that six months. I realised well, I was more than capable to do it. I actually enjoyed it.
1: And it's probably a good thing to have that six months that if you don't want it at the end of the time, you've got nothing to lose, yeah, kind of you've got yeah. six months, you can't stuff it up too much in six months, and if you do a good job and enjoy it, keep going.
0: Yeah, so it was, it was actually sometimes, as we said before, things happen for a reason. Um, I'm a big thing about, you know, you actually make your own life. Yeah. Oh, um, I agree, 100%. Yeah. It's from that side of things. So um, yeah, there was an opportunity there, and that's probably my career though, Of when I was at ANZ. I was um, worked more in performance analytics and then group market actually went into group marketing for a while um, and then actually into the equities team and managed super funds. But I didn't set out on any actual destiny that I have to have a plan and I'm gonna be in such and such yeah. a certain time. An opportunity to come up, and that was, sometimes that's because you actually work hard and, and you have a crack and somebody says, well, do you wanna try this? Yeah. You can quite easily knock it back and my view is, well, that's a lost opportunity. You, you never know. So that's pretty much the whole way.
1: Yeah. Do you think people as well get a bit too comfortable thinking that, you know, things are good at seven or eight out of ten and they don't sometimes want to take that opportunity to chase their eight or nine or ten out of ten because they're
0: worried or... Yeah, there's probably a few reasons mm. for some of that. Some people are comfortable and they don't want any more. Yeah. They're, they're happy with their, their life the way mm. it is and without extra stress or etc. Um, sometimes, I actually find personally it's a challenge. Yeah. I think that's probably what drives. Yeah. And, um, and and even, you know, and I've been on the record, even moving across to Kampasby, sometimes that was seen as a challenge to sort of say, well, you know, things weren't probably going as good. Um, and I knew what I was in for and I actually see that as a challenge yeah. to, to try and improve.
1: Things. So were you driving out, were you based in Kerrang or Kahuna when you were...
0: So the office is in Crane. Crane yeah. yeah. So you're
1: driving out from Moama every day? Yeah, 110 k's each way. Each way?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, right. And it's a slow 100, like, it's not like you're sitting at 100 k's the whole way either, like getting through a Chuka and it's over the bridge, if you're over here in Moama, it's a, it would have been a good hour and a half, the, wouldn't it?
0: Oh no, the autopilot got me there. That, around, did it? Yeah. Over an
1: hour. An hour. Our, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the old cruise control?
0: Um, yeah, so it did that for six years. Yeah. I think the girls worked out it was you know, about two and a half thousand times or something back and backwards to cream. It's
1: a good maths question to give the kids a working out. Um, what did you do in the car? Like just local radio or did you have like audio books or?
0: Yeah. It's a lot I of mean, time. The audio books weren't really kicking yeah. in too much at that stage. But um, yeah, I'm a bit of a junkie for for news. Yeah. Uh, my brain, I, I like to hear what's going on and all that sort of stuff. So I tended to listen and I'd, I knew all the different stations so I'd start with Gold Murray, 97.7 um, on the way here and then I'd flick across to 91.9 at Bendigo for mid trip and then I'd be up to 98.7 as I got more closer yeah, to right. <laughs> Um wow. So it was sort of just listening but yeah I, I was up with everything that was going. Yeah. By the time I got to work at what, 8.30 in the morning I was ready to go. I had a bit of thinking time um, to prepare for that day or what's going on, but I also listened to what's happening in the news. Working local government too, that was one thing. You know, living in Melbourne, a lot of us had nothing to do with local government or politics, I didn't really think much of it, but the more I learned that I have to be aware of what's going on around. Me. So that was a good thing for me just to get an understanding of who's who in the zoo yeah. at that time in the car. Yeah,
1: well, and that, and even that switch off time, I'm sure, like it'd be good to have that time to, you finished a meeting, you get in your car and you're back in Moama and it's not still in your head, you've kind of debriefed it in your head.
0: Oh, yeah, autopilot was yeah, great, great for
1: that on the way home. I do the same, just tiny, like it's 20 minutes, but sometimes you come out of a staff meeting, you've got all this stuff floating around your head and 20 minutes later, you're in your running gear at the front and last yeah, good. Yeah, yeah.
0: It, it actually, and everybody with meditation and yeah. their mindfulness is having that bookend to your day. Yeah. So, as much as there was different, you know, you're leaving early and getting home late sometimes, there was a very clear bookend that yeah. you're in the car and that's when you switch on. Yeah. And when you're in the car at the end of it, you've switched off.
1: Yeah. And do you find um, this day and age though with Twitter, Facebook, Instagram? phone's going off, so do you still switch off when you go home, or if something happens or a news thing comes out, you've I got to be you know onto an that, don't you? I that,
0: because I pretty much like my Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> it's good means for, um... um... so I'm not a big Face- Facebooker, um, or Instagram, but Twitter, um, it's probably the field I'm in to a point as well, um, I actually can keep up with all the news, and I follow different ones from around the world, so I can get a balance, because we know there's fake news, um, but also within my industry, I can keep track of what different politicians are up to because they, they're all on the mm. Twitter, so I know exactly what's happening in the, in, from that side of things. Um, but also things of interest. So I'll flick through at night. That's my little mm. wind down. I can have, just have a flick through what's going on Twitter and just have a bit of a read, all that sort of stuff. But um, Facebook is more just, yeah, I'm not, a, I, I just, yeah. I yeah. use it a lot. Oh, I'm i just agree, connecting yeah. with friends. Yeah.
1: And Twitter's good because you select exactly what you want to see and who you want to hear stuff from. And um, yeah, I love my Twitter. You get running news and a bit of local news and just pick and choose, and it's kind of yeah,
0: news is if, customised to you. But too. even you can target your message to different people mm. as well without everybody having oh,
1: this to. This is how I got you on here. It was, a, yeah. it was a tweet to kind of be able to access um, people.
0: So, like even like the bridge, um, yesterday, um, so Darren Chester, our federal minister, and all that, I've been back And forwards with him on Twitter, but even Twitter's good because we can just message individually so no one else sees it. Um, but I just sent him a message yesterday just to say, Look, things are really progressing well and all that, keeping them in the loop. Um, that's a really important thing for us, you know, as a community to keep them in the loop mm. because um, you know, feds and state are really important. But just with a quick tweet, keeping in the loop, they've sent a message back going, That's great, look forward to catching up. Done,
1: yeah, beautiful. And it's efficient as well, isn't it? Like it's not to add a picture to an attachment in an email and send it up and make sure it's worded properly. And, yeah, uh, very good. So let's talk about the move from um, the move from Shires. So the capacity job came up, and you thought going to have a crack at that, or did someone else put you in into it, or?
0: Uh, it was brought to my attention, um, but it was always something that being close at home was. Mm-hmm. And I, it's it's actually it was I, I had to contemplate. I actually put an application in. The day it was due, I, I sat on it. Yeah, because um, it's not necessarily the, the job itself, but it was also doing this sort of job in your own hometown, it's not easy because a lot of stuff that you have to do or well, that can affect people that you know. Um, and I have to be really mindful of that, mm. especially at the time that I was applying for the job, it, the show was in the paper every day. Um, yeah, it wasn't there a good was, time to come there, in yeah. there, was, there was a lot. A lot happening, um, and you know we're two young daughters, and you know what, well, I'd be mindful of the impacts on them mm-hmm. as well. So I really considered that it was not necessarily the job, but it was everything around the job mm-hmm. um, from that side of things too. So um, yeah, so you know, I decided we'd have a crack at it because just from a family balance as well, that's an extra two hours
1: with the but, family. Yeah,
0: because yeah, even at Gannawarra, we had our council meetings were more at night, like later at night. It, Camp Aspie, they started at 5, Gowarra they started at 7, so there was nights I was getting home at midnight, one o'clock and then back up at, you know, getting up at 6 to head back to work, um, and doing that regularly, it's, yeah. um, a lot of people saying, why don't you stay there, but I, just to even see the kids before I left was mm. important, yep. whether they were asleep or not. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, we decided to have a crack at the Camp Aspie job, and, um, that was a fairly daunting experience.
1: Yeah, well talk me through that. So is it a
0: big panel or how do they...? It was an extremely big panel. So I had the whole nine counsellors um, and a consultant. So I was sitting on a little table on my own looking, it was almost like the, the setup for ten um, pin bowls with all the <laughs> with all pins. The pins up there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure if anybody's been through that, but to sit in front of ten people having questions by day for nearly two hours. Um, you you earn your you earn your stripes.
1: And then was it short shortlist and come back to go again, or was it just that was it?
0: Um, yeah, that was the that was the main one, and I just had a chat to him after that. and must have got down to a couple. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was the, the main the main one from that side of things. Beautiful.
1: I want to talk about so now you're in this role. What is a normal? what's us maybe start with a normal day. Sorry, did you say normal? Did you say well, yeah, I'm trying to use normal. <laughs> I can't imagine what happens, but or well, maybe a normal week. So what, yeah. what are some of the things that come up?
0: So, yeah, so, so i pretty much at work 8 o'clock, um, that allows me to see the kids, so they all head off at 8 as well, so we pretty much all leave at the same time, um, I tend to leave just probably a little bit before them because the difference now is I'm at work in 5 minutes, mm. not an hour and yeah. 15, um, and like most days I get is probably after 6 on, on a normal day that there's nothing else. Um, I tie that into either a ballet pickup or a work pickup for the kids. Yeah. So, because I've got to balance that between, you know, wife doing certain pickups and drop-offs. So, um, yeah, so that's the that's, that's standard hours. And then outside of that, probably just as an indication, the last couple of weeks, um, I would either go home, I would be staying at work, because there'd be functions after it, so I'd be getting home anywhere between 8 and 10 mm. um, on a lot of nights. Yeah. So and Friday, before, Friday nights I'm about stuff.
1: Stuff, yeah, I can imagine. And so is it meetings during the day, showing yeah. the face at functions. Is it?
0: Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a mix of that. So pretty much, I try and get in. I have try and have an hour up to myself in the morning, so I can just get through a bit of reading, get ready for the day. Um, I have a lot of paperwork, like contracts, and that that I've got to sign. So I've got to make sure that I don't hold on to them too long. So. I try and move them through. As soon as I get them, I'm moving all those through so the rest of the organisation can keep working. But then it's meetings and it's internal staff meetings, it's project meetings, um, external people coming in. So I've had a couple of them today, um, but then also heading off for business meetings in town or within the Shire with group groups, but I'm also on a lot of regional groups and that's a big part of my job is to be part of the them and advocate for better outcomes. So, some of those are we've got the Murray group of councils which is the councils along the river so we're the chair of that this year so I've pretty much got to do a lot of work for that Um, there's a lot of Campaspi group of councils which pretty much goes from Campaspi away down to range Ranges central goldfields and then we work with the GV councils Strathbogie, Shep, Moira and us Um, and I'm the treasurer now of the uh, rural councils Victoria so that's 38 councils in Victoria to try and make sure we get good outcomes for all the yeah. councils and residents and all that so, but that's all about advocacy and trying to get better outcomes for our community so sometimes that takes me away from our local council but it's all about trying to get better outcomes yeah. for
1: us. And are they all face to face meetings or you know spending time on Skype?
0: Or, yeah you know. so they, on Skype or teleconferencing it's not as it just doesn't get used as much anymore yeah. for a while there, for years there was the teleconferencing was starting to get big but uh, look, personally I think you can't beat a face-to-face oh. in those sort of meetings. So occasionally I'll do a dialing because you know, I go to a lot of meetings in Melbourne, and it's pretty much three hours by the time you get into a ten o'clock meeting. Um, you might have a two-hour meeting, and then it's three hours back. Mm. Let alone the seventy bucks it costs you for the parking. Yeah. Um, so occasionally I'll try and ring in, but it's all about the other stuff around it. Yeah. It's that network. Network in. Shaking hands and relationship building yep. too, because. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's a bit of a mix, so I'm back and forth to the Melbourne and Bendigo a lot. Um, that's just part of the course. Mm. Listening to all that news in the car. Yeah, or a bit of music to try and break it up. Yeah,
1: mix it up a bit. Um, your leadership style, how would you define that? You don't come across as a big footy coach, look at me, rah, rah, rah.
0: Can not for to in our mm. business, because um, say at the Shire we've got 660 staff including so full-time yeah, right. equivalents just under 350 um, and we run about a hundred different organised you know, businesses services that we do so you can't have one well, It's not really one style because yeah, everybody's slightly different you've got to, you've got to be flexible um, but at the end of the day uh, it's a hard one I've done some leadership courses and everyone wants to know what sort of style you are mm. but it's probably collaborative to try and engage people and empower them um, from that side of things as well no, no, I just get really, I just, i passionate about yeah. what we do. So,
1: so and that's yeah. So that's one of the traits. What other traits though? like? What do you think? Are you super organised or yeah?
0: I, I'm um, not a procrastinator. I tend to over-analyse things. Yeah, that's but you need to like, your all right, that's probably you? my downside. Is that um, I will like, I will research stuff. Yeah. So I know what I'm talking about, Yeah. and sometimes that delays me in making a decision. But nowadays... As from experience in that now, I, I can work around that. Yeah. Um, but I I, know, I like to know if I'm doing something. I'll take people's advice, but also... And that's where, at, at night, I tend to do a lot of reading on my iPad and stuff. Um, we've got a Chinese delegation with our sister cities, as an example, came over in September last year, and they're just asking us to go back across there now. But when they came across, I actually jumped on and looked at Shangri-La, which no one knew where it was, but it was it's just north of Myanmar, up in the Tibetan um, mountains. But I actually knew, by the time they got here, I could actually talk to them about some of the stuff in their thing, and they're going, how did you know that? Yeah. But they loved it. Yeah. But I actually enjoyed it. Just It was probably just knowledge.
1: And they're the most, um, you know, that's, that's what we're talking about, networking, getting to know people, building that relationship. It's, uh, it's easy stuff to do. You probably just opened up Wikipedia and read up a couple of pages well, to a point Yeah,
0: then they found a link and then found a link yeah, that they'd, set up, they'd set up the brewery and it was the first, first craft brewery in China um, set up by a Swiss bloke whose mother was uh, running the local orphanage and they've got all the technology and, went, and they've got these six beers that they brew and it's three and a half thousand metres above sea level yeah. pristine waters at the top of the Yangtze and so I was talking to them about this and they've just gone oh my god how did you know about that and said I like beer. Yeah. Um, but that to them was real important. We also found out one of them was their birthday just based on some uh, things we think yeah. that we bought a cake and But from a relationship point of view, they're essentially their premier I mean, their province is 77 million people. He's just an email saying we want you to come across for our sixtieth celebrations in September um, and bring your fishing rod.
1: How good's that yeah.
0: <laughs> so you know you can do all this relationship building about trying to get Trade and stuff, and that's a big part of what we're doing. But you've got to build the bonds.
1: Yeah, hundred um, percent. The capacity shire I think I read an article today that you said one of the biggest challenges was that they were always doing things the way they've always done it. Did you feel pressure when you came in to change things up straight away? Like well, was that? That
0: was that was a big thing that they asked me to, to do. Yeah, that was part of the interview process to say we. Are you able to do it and are you willing to do it? Um, I think pretty much most people, <laughs> most of the staff and especially exec, we're all on the same page in regards to that, but the word of and the phrase of that's how we've always done it, that doesn't, don't really buy that. Yeah. Um, it may be that that's actually the best way to do it, but it's about having that questioning, um, mindset so that's what we're really trying to instill now to sort of question everything we're doing. Is it the best way to do it? Is that you know, or why are we doing it? Is anybody using this information? And if it's not, let's change, let's look at a better way to do it. But if that's the best way, that's fine. Let's give it a tick. But, um, you know, an organisation like ours, the, the, probably the biggest thing we've come in is really about trying to be a bit more innovative and solutions driven. Now, there'll be people that probably listen to this and go, you serious? But it does take time, and you've also got to get the right people. Yeah.
1: So do you want to give us some examples? What are your, What are those changes you're talking about? Well, what are the big issues? I've just got down here, like, obviously the bridge is always going to come up, and I don't want to spend too much time on the bridge. I'd rather hear about your person, personality and kind of your traits there. About what? Bridge, rates, Chuka West. That's a pretty big deal at the moment, isn't it? Getting all that through.
0: Yeah. You've you missed Oscars.
1: Oh, Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> we get a whole <laughs> another podcast about that. I uh, had the corruption stuff in there as well, but um, that was at the big.
0: No, so the, <laughs> bri- so the bridge thing, that was the big thing last year. That's, you know, I, I, again, I've got in laws here that have been here for a yeah. long time, and that was always the thing, you know, is it ever going to be in our lifetime? And in, like, some of them have passed in that time. So I've been fully aware of all that. Um, and it was about June last year, just before the election, I think it was, around some of the May, June, um, the, for the feds, we got on the phone and started working the phones between the states and the feds because they're all waiting for each other to fund it. So they were all committed. Yeah. But there was this Mexican stand up. Yeah. Well we'll put in when they put in. And it, so no one was ever going to put in because they were all waiting for each other. So um, we got on the phones and pretty much at one stage I had a, a couple of different departments sort of saying radio if we can get them to commit by letter to them, can you then, and literally that was what it was, which just before they went into caretaker mode. So we've got some of those agreements all signed off, literally just before they went into caretaker, um, which committed some of those funds around. So there was East West Link monies that were some of that was going to get reapportioned. And the bridge project out of, I think $343 million, we managed because, um I mean, Drummond was running at the time and that he was, putting that on um, and Darren Chester was the federal minister. Um, and he'd been also a, an advisor to Peter Ryan when he was in state. So he was a, fully understood yep. all the you know all that sort of stuff and there was a lot of alliances going. So the timing was right for us, but we had to play the game in that part too. So I think it was a bit of a win-win for everyone, mm-hmm. but we had to initiate mm. some of that. and it has been an interesting um, journey for the last six, eight months watching the community still.
1: Well, it's still a bit standoffy, isn't it? Like and, yeah, whatever kind of yeah.
0: Getting it and saying, yeah, we will never see it, and that's. But I, I can tell everyone that it, it, it's, it's happening. So
1: well, there's an office set up, isn't there? Isn't yeah, there? so yeah.
0: they're actually ready to start employing engineers. So that's the yeah. office is there. It's not yeah. just a, a front where you can come yeah. have a coffee. Yeah. It's, it's there to actually house things, and but where people can come in and look at maps and get sick, so and I think the tenders for the roundabout on Warren Street, which is mm. probably the bugbear for all of us. No, in it's this shocking intersection, air. yeah. So that's the tenders for that big roundabout, I think, went out last week or so, um, and they've broken the project up, because it's $280 million, so it's huge, um, they've broken it up into four stages think, so a lot of locals can get a crack at it, otherwise it wouldn't have been the big companies. Okay. Um, and that's taking the pressure off us too, because we were having to look at the accommodation side of it. Because mm. we're such a tourist to town, we can't afford, you know, six hundred or seven hundred workers coming in and potentially with families living in motels yeah. and hotels and all that stuff. And yeah, then then there's, there's no is. tourists. Yeah, yeah. yeah And then yeah. there's no tourist facility. so we were having to do a lot of work and yeah, that. was the twenty or thirty k radius um, from that side of things, and we were looking at the Bendigo Hospital how yeah, they manage mm-hmm. with their build but they actually had a lot of people bussing every day mm-hmm. from Melbourne and all that sort yeah, of yeah. stuff but we wanted to also our community to benefit yeah. from that a bit too so um, over the next you know six months there'll be a lot of work done with all the hospitality and accommodation used to sort of um, inform them how to try and leverage yeah. out of that as well because it'll be a, an opportunity that comes and goes and on everyone to have a fair crack Yeah, up. for sure. I yeah, so didn't that, even think about that following. Yeah, so there's a lot of things and just literally the amount of trees. So, so I sit on the steering group that we're working through what's going to happen you know, they have to remove trees and yep. they're doing offsets but we want to make sure the wood could, whatever good wood there is that can be milled maybe for furniture or that within yeah. the town. Off cuts for the, the community groups to sell for firewood and the rest of it's got to be mulched then for, so we're working through all those different things and starting a master plan around the Vic Park and the Scenic Drive, all that area, yeah. because that's going to be impacted. So that,
1: that's set, that's where it's going. I've yeah, watched so, the... Um, so the it pretty
0: much goes just... videos. video, there's a video just, of it. Yeah, it's yeah. just west of the uh, Campaspe Bridge, yep. going over Moran um, Street, and then it will wind across to the, the middle of where the old high school was, yep. and swing around the back of the tennis courts. It'll take a few of the end tennis courts off. But they're working with them, we're working with that as part of my plan to relocate some courts. Um and then it'll go across near the boat ramp and then straight over, come out and over the at, yeah. in the safe way, or will worse it. Yeah.
1: Over the big park park boat ramp, is that just to the side. Yeah. Right? So then there's so many like then start thinking talking southern eighty and like all
0: those Well, it actually like... it, it'll be so the boat ramp and all that we're sort of been holding off to see, make sure that, you know, to fix do some work on that. Because we'd look stupid if we started doing work on that, and then all of a sudden, the, yeah. they that be able to put a pile on right in the middle of it, or any of that. But that's where some of that works sort of happening now. But it's going to be going through the, pretty much the tree line. Yeah. So you can imagine that if that's the sudden native finish, it's going to be pretty impressive. The finish line. <laughs> you know,
1: build your own finish line. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that is exciting. Is that one of the things that excites you the most about? Because I've got a question here. Like, what excites you the most about the future of Compassby Shire, and then what worries you the most?
0: So. So things like that, they are big changes for our community because I see it's not just the bridge, it's all the pedestrian and cycling and that access there. It's going to link the towns completely different. We'll have different tracks going out to Warren. So we're working on a strategy to do all our pedestrian that now. But that links the town into Big Park. that people then can go up onto the, the new bridge and cross one way where they can go out onto Warren Street, Camp Espresmo, or all the way out to Echuca West. Um, and then we can start to link Hooperilla road and then out further into all the new estates, um, all of a sudden the town becomes more linked and you have more connections across east-west um, as well, across the train track out to east. So then all of a sudden we get this really good network. I can see the tri-club and all those sort yeah. of things loving having this, net, this loop that we can go over into Moama and back and whole range of different things. You
1: might give me a hill to run on as well, if it's a bit of an on-ramp
0: onto a bridge. I, I you? suspect the build-up that they're going to have to do across all that floodplain there, yeah. you, you will have a bit we'll of... you get a hill. You'll have a nice little incline. Your
1: in mates there. in Melbourne will stop smashing me every time I try to race them up a hill. The
0: tie behind you. Was yeah. You. But getting back to what we've yeah. too before about the Chuka West, um, so the Victorian yeah. Planning Authority just given us a big grant to help us develop that further. Yeah, yeah I read that. growth, growth is going, going nuts there yeah. at the moment. Um, and trying to keep up new land from owners and for the developers we've got to get it all planned so that's been a bit of a godsend for us to do that so we were really pushing that um, yeah. so that was good to have that coming out but the potential out there is fantastic um, from that side of things and I, you know I want to see that as really good estates and some of the stuff that's already happening in there with their parks and they're, they're looking yeah. fantastic as well so that's something that we want to keep promoting but all those linkages we talked about I is really important mm. The more we can rely less on vehicles getting around and walking, cycling, running, and all that, yeah. um, I think it's great. Um, around the port area, we're doing a lot of work around there at the moment.
1: Yeah, knocked that playground down the other day. Yeah,
0: so, quick. so the new playground will start coming in in the next week. Yeah, so we'll hopefully get that done by um, Easter. Um, so there's a lot of work sort of now between the sort of the low period between yeah you know, the long weekend and all the activities that happen then and then. Um, into Easter we're just trying to get in and out on some of those and the riverboat dock you know that all start getting developed in the next few months we'll start works will start in some of in some of those areas Um, some of the retaining walls which have been publicized um, in between behind the old Oscars building we're just waiting for confirmation funding there so we'll be able to get in not an easy spot to try and get in in so that's something that kept me awake for a few nights but um, so that's all sort of coming together a little bit there, we can't, so the the old Oscars, the lease for that is just now waiting for some of that so we can identify those works, because we don't want to do those works that interrupt any building works for the new building, or for that that building works there, so once we can get that sorted out, um, then that lease can be then finalized, so yeah. that's all progressing um, from that side of things, and we're just north of Oh, sorry, south of the wharf, we're just doing um, the barge. We'll be moving from one end, which will be a bit of a sight. There's a the big outline of yeah, some barge. it's got the fence around at the moment. It's about 25 metres. That's going to be lifted up in the next few weeks and then moved down up to the train line at the other end. Yep. So that's all just been landscaping new fences and there'll be a new path that links for the walking track that's behind that council offices on the aquatic. Yep. That'll all wind along the train line there and come out right at the... Oh,
1: that's good, because that's not a safe spot to run because you come off the library, yeah, the you go on the road, yeah. Yeah, yeah so
0: that's, we're going to make that two and a half metres wide and we will be a landscaped. and we'll have the barge in there with all signage about how it, oh, beautiful. it was.
1: And such a good spot to view, like it's almost a waste yeah. of viewing platform Yeah, so as the well. new fence
0: there, it's a red gum fence with just a little fine mesh you know, and yeah. actually it's come up really good. Yeah. I was just talking to the builders there today and they're they're actually real impressed. Yep. So, so they're proud. They're sort of going, no, you've got to stain this every six months and stuff I and mean, keep it looking good. So that's that's really nice. So there's a lot of that stuff really starting yeah. to now. So
1: uh, you guys get some flack and it doesn't matter what leader it would be that there's always you're not doing enough or the rates are too high or whatever. But all those you just listed off 15 things.
0: Yeah. yeah so and, and it, it, there's more like the town entrances is probably from my point of view and I think the council as well is to improve. And we've been working with some of the other towns and we, we probably where we cop the most like around the Shire is that it's to a centric and I can guarantee to people that's not the case. We we look pretty much everywhere. A just looks like it gets a lot more because it is a lot bigger. Um, but per capita, you know, it's not getting any more than that. But some of the other towns where they work on their town entrances because perception is really important. Yeah. you drive into a town, you get that feel and go, oh, this is a nice town. Um, and if they've got a bakery, a good bakery and you know, have yeah. toilets, everybody's yeah. then pretty it's much happy. On. But Echuca definitely needs some work on its entrance coming in from Melbourne and Shepparton and um, when the new big roundabout comes in on the northern approach, that'll give us a chance to then get that entrance a bit nicer. But, so there's a bit of work and there's a lot of funds to try and get all the drainage. Um, coming in, especially in that southern end. Yeah. Um, but that's progressing at the moment, and, yeah, so getting all those sort of things right, that helps community pride. Yeah. People are proud, proud of where they live and all that sort yeah. of stuff. So that's a big thing.
1: Why people do their gardens so well and mow yeah. their lawns, and, yeah.
0: And admittedly, to some people, that's not as important, but to a lot of people, it, it is. is. Yeah, I agree. What about what worries you
1: about whether, not so much the direction of the town, but anything in the shire that... You know, you've got young girls.
0: Yeah, so look, from a, from a funding, from a council, running council point of view, the, the thing that you know, occupies me a lot is um, ensuring we've got enough funds to keep, not just operating, but delivering services, because the expectation keeps growing. You know, we have more people moving from bigger cities who have a higher level of expectation, um, and it's to try and get that balance. You know, we're just doing our budget at the moment. Looking at our 10 year um, financial plan, in the next couple of years, we're into deficits for operating and and they can drop to nearly $4 million a year in about seven or eight years. We don't have enough money in the bank to keep doing that. So we've got to keep, so our key goal at the moment is cost savings, efficiencies, keep driving that each year. And then you've got another, that pushes things out a bit more. Um, And when you talked about rates before, we have rate capping now, so, this next year it's capped at 2%, yep. so we can't increase our rates more than 2%. So those sort of things, from a community point of view, that's pretty locked in. Um, from us, we've got to be more inventive about either how can we get revenue or how do we cut costs or how do we do things smart, um, from that side of things. So I think that that's one thing that probably takes a lot of my time because, or well, any other issues will be a subset of that.
1: Yep.
0: Um, and probably the biggest thing we're working on at the moment and I'm involved in. So I was meeting today about family violence. Um, so we're part of the group that's setting up about family violence action group for Camp Aspie, because again, we're one of the highest incidents in the state for family violence. And it's not acceptable. Um, and we're a white ribbon accredited organization. So we're one of the first 14, I think, in the country at Camp Aspie. Um So we've got to keep pushing that. The And then Part of our Healthier Camp so I sit with the other CEOs of the hospitals and the primary healthcare network, um, looking at what our, as a, a group, strategically planning what the key issues for our shire are, and obesity, we've got, and this sounds really negative sometimes, but the, the facts is that obesity rates, we're some of the highest.
1: What are we? What percentage, you know?
0: I was watching a doco today. Oh, that was. I, I can't remember, because you've got, there's two different elements of, obesity, how they rate it. Yeah. I forget the rate, but we're statistically yeah. in the state we're right up Not there. Not good, yeah. Um, smoking rates, diabetes, cancer. There's a whole lot of the mental health, etc. Mm. So there's a whole range of these things that we, and alcohol and drug. Mm. Um, we're, we're right up there, and then that's also then a function of family violence kicks into some of those areas as well. So. That sort of thing, as a group, we're now working together and it's, it's a lot of people say, well, that's not Ken role, but under that uh, Local Government Act, there's the Health and Wellbeing Act as well, and council is required to um, look out for the health and well-being of its community. So in, the way we can do that is through partnerships. Mm. You know, we, we have um, immunisations, and we can control some of that, we can control infrastructure for education, um, for exercise mm-hmm. and all that. But the bigger stuff we're going to work in partnership with all our other agencies to try and get the best outcome for our community so at the moment that's probably one thing that really drives us
1: and i guess back to that money that if you haven't got the money to support those programs or to pump them into those um areas yeah
0: yeah so then that comes back to working in partnership you can achieve a lot more and then you actually focus well if you're really good at this well we'll support you and if you're good at this we'll support you and so you're not all trying to do it the same thing but it back to this, you know, what I was saying before, we you know, want a lot of, lot of different organisations around, you know, regionally, but also the state. We're advocating at the moment with a whole heap of other councils about trying to have a health and wellbeing fund that the state actually, and we're promoting that um, we want central Victoria to be the healthy heart of Victoria and not the unhealthy heart. So it's a bit of a play on words, but we, we are the centre of Victoria and we want to be the healthy heart of Victoria. So it's about getting some funding to put into infrastructure and programs that we can address it. And sometimes it has to be place-based. It's great to have a statewide sort of blanket approach, but sometimes that doesn't work individually. And you would see that through schools and all that and individuals. Um, So there's sort of things that we're working on on that side of things.
1: Yeah, that's, and that's kind of exciting as well, though, that those statistics are being identified and that you guys are aware of them and you want to work on them. Because as you said, yeah, so I watched a doco today about um, like the America, American healthcare system like there. We don't want to be heading in that direction at yeah, all. It's about, about to get worse. Yeah,
0: it's um, yeah, but, but in previous roles, I've taken a bigger role, and you know, been probably guest speaker at a few conferences and that, on health, but also the social determinants of health. Um, So, the World Health Organisation determined there's about 10 or 11 health outcomes that affect people. Um, But that's not just, you know, that can be smoking, but it's also getting access to childcare so people then can work because if you don't have, as you know, statistically shown, if you don't have a job, you've got a higher incidence of different health issues, education, there's all these different things that you need to be focusing on. So you can't just hit one at a time, you've actually got to have a a multi that sort of approach. But you need partners to do all that. Yeah. And that's where council sometimes, it is so diverse. You know, I'll sit in areas with education, and you know, I've been you know, involved in career education, and then health things, and then you're off to other things. But you've got to be across everything, because they all link. Yeah. And to the broad public, public, sometimes they don't see, they'll just see one element but what you're trying to do is strategically work on a whole range of things and at, at some point you hope that it all comes together, comes together yeah um, no that's definitely opened my eyes
1: massive as well I'm c- conscious of your time you've got five more minutes yeah I want to talk about how do you manage those head spaces like you just listed that could be a normal day for you sitting in all those different meetings how do you go from walking out of one into like do you stop in the cubicle and have two minutes to yourself and meditate or it's, it's got to be a well, good skill to have
0: yeah so I used to be able to remember my diary like a month ahead almost, now it's literally afternoon to afternoon. Yeah. If I can get my head around, and it's about preparing for that, so that I read a lot and I can pick out now what I need to read. Um, at home I get laughed at by wife and children about that I'll be reading about septic tanks tonight and tomorrow I'll be reading about <laughs> childcare and tomorrow I'll be reading about something completely different, <laughs> yep. um, water or whatever. But if you make it as an interest, if it's a chore, it's a nightmare and it won't come sinking, but if you actually make it interesting and you enjoy it and you do that extra bit of research, it actually becomes so you absorb it. Um, so that means you can work from meeting to meeting and be over it, but if you actually just have the basic principles of you understand the processes are different, you can sort of get through. Yeah, That's the challenge with council because even in the council meetings or council briefings, counsellors and the community expect me to know everything, even though I've got all these different staff that are covering it, and staff at some stage are going, what do you need to know? This yeah, trust goal? me, I've got it, yeah. It's not that I'm trying to look on it, it's actually, if I get asked a question, at least I can give out an answer, and it mightn't be the detail, but, yeah, so you have to be across everything.
1: Yeah, um, and that mindfulness stuff, you touched on that at the start, do you practice meditation or... Yeah, you know, getting up at six am to walk in the morning to calm the mind or anything like that?
0: Um, I would like to. Yeah. I, I do have my downtime though. I like gardening, etc. Um I like to golf but did not so I'm not playing that at the you're moment. Not, you're, but, not,
1: you're not running or walking much either then I guess?
0: No. Um but I, I that's that's I, I do have my time. Yeah. Yeah, from that side of things. So you can tune off. And sometimes mm-hmm. it might be reading, but it's something I enjoy, or just watching, you know. And at Earth 2 at the moment mm. you can tune off and go into something else mm. um, that's really important and even on weekends you know I still is be on you know it might be functioned at but you need your time where you can actually tune off and spend with family or friends and all that sort of thing as yeah. well
1: super important second last question do you have a mantra or philosophy that you live by quote
0: no not really not really no pretty much you kind of said something pretty else. pretty much like, go with the flow but End of the day, I, I think if you if you work hard, but and you're true to yourself, um, uh, I was probably always taught you treat people the way you like to be treated. Um, from that point of view, you, you, you go on pretty well yeah. from that side of things. But I don't, I just like to help people from yeah. that side of things. And in this job, it gets hard sometimes because you can't help everyone.
1: Everyone at the same time. And you said before about create your own luck, like just work hard and
0: yeah. So some, yeah. a lot of people say, oh, you're in the right spot at the right time, or you're just lucky. That may be the case sometimes, but I actually find that to 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 get in those places, you know, there's a lot of successful people around. They did all the hard work. They did everything behind the scenes to do all that. And yes, there might have been an opportunity opened up. But they made sure they were
1: in that yeah. position to get that opportunity. It's the old iceberg. Same so with running. Like, people think, oh, you're lucky to be able to go to this race or you won that race, but...
0: Yeah, you're, you're an overnight sensation. Yeah.
1: 5 a.m. at the front in the driveway when it's raining in the middle of winter is not much fun, but it's, yeah, all that after-hour stuff that gets you in a position to be able to then make that jump, I guess. Yes. Then, final one, what do you love about Campasby Shire? Or just
0: living here or Campaspe Shire?
1: Well, yeah, anything.
0: Um... I know, I just love the lifestyle. I like, it, even though we're my Wama and I get uh, a lot of flack for that. You for do you flack for that? Yeah. yeah. I, I do cop a bit of Because
1: you can't be a councillor and live over here though, can you? Like, you got to live. Yeah, oh, can yeah, you? you can
0: if you own property and stuff over there. So we've had councillors here before that have been in this shop, lived in this shire. But as long as you own a house or property, you can Yeah. Okay. You can still do that. Um, so yes, yeah, so I had the same with Warren not living in the shire. It actually works well sometimes that you're not part of it, but I, my comeback is we all call it a Chukumalama yeah. and we're one town. I treat it as one town um, from that side of things. I love the lifestyle, I love everything that we have at our hands here. There's not many things in Chukumalama we you know, don't have, haven't got or we, um, to be able to just duck around the corner in the morning and have a coffee or and have familiar faces as well, yeah. you know, in some of those things. But also it's big enough that you can go in the shops and you're not going to get harassed by people um, and all that sort of thing. And I like where we live because even when it is crazy nuts in town, we're just far enough out that we yeah. miss everything, but it's only two seconds and you're part of it.
1: Yeah. I agree with you 100%. Thanks for your time, Jason.
0: Ah, thanks for that. It was enjoyable. No worries, Thank you. Hardest thing that I've got to do